Blog Talk Radio. Blog Talk Radio. <laughs> Good morning, everyone. Welcome in to Loretta McNary Live Presents Tuesday with Michael Farmer, our spiritual personal coach and guru. He is in the house, and let me tell you, you know that song, This Girl's on Fire? Well, this guy is on fire, I'm telling you. He is chopping at the bits as he likes to say. He can't wait to get in here and get started. Um... You know, we always promise you our best, and Michael has something scheduled today. Um, he's not telling me everything he's planning to do, but I'm going to sit back and enjoy the ride, and we'll use my seatbelt if I have to. Everybody welcome Michael Farmer. Hello, Hi, Loretta. Yeah, I'm keeping you in suspense today. I, I normally don't do it. I kind of call and give you a heads up. I'm going to keep her in suspense today, and we're going to. We're going to deal with the ministry gifts on today, which is actually the last of the gifts. Uh, so that's what we're going to talk about on today. And we probably will finish up on the gifts today and probably start on another topic on next week. But but we'll see. We'll see what God says. We'll see how it goes, how many questions I have and, you know, where we're led. And, you know, most people refer to these all the time, and most people don't know about the elements because these are the most talked about for whatever reason, and they're called um, in some circles the five-fold um, and yeah. gives, and um, so there you have it, Michael. It's all yours. Okay. Now, of course, for the past two weeks, we've talked about uh, the motivational gifts, and and that's found in Romans 12. We kind of dealt with those in detail. So we hope you found it. If not, you can go back to the archives and and uh, listen to that because I think it's very important that everyone knows, you know, what what is the gift that motivates them? What is the gift that makes them tick? so to speak, and that gift is used for benefit to the body. Uh, it was put in you when you came into the earth to be a blessing to your generation, uh, to the world, but the gift is maximized when you find out how to use it in the body of Christ. Because it is, it is my uh, firm belief that God intends everyone to be Christians. And I don't know, I know some people say there are many roads that lead to God and different religions. But Christ is the door. Yeah. He is the way. <laughs> he is the only way. So if, if you want to get to the Father and the Father I serve is Jehovah, then you must go through Christ, the Messiah. And and that's what I believe. And there's nothing you can say to change that. So <laughs> And that's <laughs> so what I believe too, because that's what that's what the word that. says and that settles it. Um also want to make make known again and to repeat it, we, you said it and we've said it several times is now, these are the five primary gifts. We all have, well, some of us have nuggets of some of the other gifts. You have a primary, and then you have some areas where you're, you could operate in that. Like yes. some people, well, we'll talk about them, but we're saying there is a primary gift that you have, and then you can operate in the other ones, but there is one primary, and then you have seeds of the other. So oh, well, they they have have all of them. And, and I think the world kind of does a, a thing called the what the sanguine and the the choleric and the melancholy and the it's, it's four of them they deal with and they come out these are the gifts that shift your personality and believe it or yeah, not personality these personality quizzes yeah uh, but believe it or not those uh, all of those gifts that they name actually deal with bodily functions or fluids that that the Ooh. body produces. Uh, and we'll, we'll probably talk about that when we get an opportunity. I did some research on it a, a couple of years ago, and it was, it was amazing to actually see it. Uh, for instance, like the word sanguine. The sanguine, the word sanguine actually means blood. 
Oh. Uh, it's called it's, it's called from the red color blood, so that sanguine is someone that's kind of cheery all the time. And of course, you got the you know the melancholy. You got the uh, the color in in uh, the uh, the liver excrete uh, black bile or bile, and because it's dark, then that's melancholy. Someone who's a little more a little more on the dark side, a little more down in the dump, so to speak. So that's that's how that that's where that came from years ago, and and of course I've 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 had an opportunity to actually participate in in several, but they all basically say the same thing, just use different terminology, but it all boils boils down to the same thing. And everyone, as you said, is going to have a dominant uh, personality trait, and then you're going to have traces of others, but there's one that really mm-hmm. shapes who you really are. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I'll say that's the person who you are when you're not thinking about it. It just comes out. So 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 that's what that motiva- the motivation gets deal with. And then of course last week we talked about the uh, gifts of the spirit. The one that Loretta yeah. was just I mean <laughs> you, you all just don't know. She just she just she tried to just cut in line on the hundred times. I did. Yeah, I tried so hard <laughs> to rush. <laughs> and but but it came out yesterday. And I know she got a whole bunch of notes. And I know she's been sharing them all last week with other people, so that's because I know that's her. <laughs> and, but, and, and today we're going to talk about the ministry gifts. As you said, they call these the five-fold ministry gifts. And these are found over, uh, actually in two places in the Bible, over in 1 Corinthians 12. But we're more familiar with the one that deals with the one in Ephesians 4. So that's where we're going to start at today. Ephesians four, but I I I, I want to back up to verse number four because we it it's it's a good segue into this before you start talking about it because it it deals with a lot of things concerning unity, and that's something that you know is is a buzzword in the body of Christ, but not something that we really truly act upon. That's unity. So I'm gonna start Ephesians four, and I'll be reading from the King James on today. Okay. And this this is Paul talking. Of course, to the uh, letter to the church at Ephesus, and he's saying, "I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation for which you were called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love." So he's he said that everyone should walk worthy of that vocation or that that place that they have. You need to walk in that, and then it tells you how we should walk walk in that. And it says, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love. That means to put up with one another in love. <laughs> and you, we know that's some of the hardest things to do. And look at verse three. It says, endeavoring. That means to put forth the effort to keep the unity of the spirit. How in the bond of peace. And then he says, there is one body. One spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. And the word grace there simply means equipment for service or equipment how to walk worthy of your vocation, as it talked about there in verse number one. And then number eight says, For he said, when he ascended up on high, 
he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. And then now this is a parenthetic in verse 9 and 10. It says, now he that ascended, what is it? But he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is also the same that ascended up far above all heavens that he might feel all things. And verse 11 is where we want to hone in on it. And, it said, and he gave. Who gave? Jesus. Lord gave. gave. Uh-huh. And he can't give anything that he did not have. You're like, I, I can't give you something that I don't, I don't have. So he, so he had these gifts he had, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Verse 12 tells us why he gave us those gifts. For the perfecting or the maturing of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And there's a colon there. And he wants to tell you how he wants the body of Christ to be edified. Look at verse 13. Till we all come in the unity of the faith. Not some of us. He said, till we all come in mm-hmm. the unity of the faith. And that's what it's talking about up in the other verse. There is one faith. There is one person that we trust in. So we, if we can unify just around that then we're doing good, but we we, we split over baptisms. We split over faith. Some people call denominations faith. We just divide over everything. We divide over, you know, is there really one God and Father? We divide over the concept of the Trinity. We just divide over everything. Mm-hmm. But He's given us all of these things here to focus on unity, and then He's given us gifts to help us get to that point. And, then, and that's what we call the fivefold ministry gift. So till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, in other words, till we all come in the unity of the faith and in the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God is inferred there. So you can put that in there. So he wants to, first of all, unify how? In faith, not just our faith, but the faith. There's only one faith, and, that's, and that faith is in Confessing with your mouth, Jesus Lord, and believing that God raised him from the dead. That's that's what that's the faith that is talking about. If if we can unite just around that, we've done really good. Genesis <laughs> <laughs> till we all come in the unity of the knowledge of the Son of God. Unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. There's a colon there, which means that the next verse is going to it's further going to explain that point. That we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the flight of men or the deceit of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. So believe it or not, there are people out there actually looking to deceive people in the body of Christ. Uh. Look at verse 15 He says But speaking the truth in love May grow up into him In all things Which is the head Even Christ 
So he's uh, he's making plain who the head is, and that's Christ. Look at verse number 16. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplied according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, make an increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. As I said once before, all three of the gifts end up talking about love. And we do. And we Michael, are, for those we, who we, just tuned in, can you give them the chapter, uh, just a little recap? I think I'm looking at a couple of people just joined us. Okay. Well, this is, uh, we're, 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 we're talking concerning the ministry gifts, and the ministry gifts are found over in Ephesians 4, and we're going to go over to First uh, Corinthians 12 here in a second. Mm-hmm. So verse number, and then back up to the verse number 11, which says, and he gave some apostles some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And the ultimate end is that we till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect or mature, full-grown man unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Now, Let's deal with each one of these gifts individually, then we're going to go back and read it. I'm going to read it from another version once we go back, where it talks about the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. But sometimes we kind of read over that, but, but that, that phrase in itself is, is very, very important. Now, what's the purpose of the ministry gift? We, we just talked about it. It's to perfect or to mature each member of the body of Christ, and, of course, that can be done in stages. Once again, the purpose of the fivefold ministry gift is to perfect or to mature each member of the body of Christ, and that can be done in stages. Nobody becomes mature or full-grown overnight. Mm-hmm. I don't care whether he was raised in the church. I don't care what mm-hmm. grandmama did and granddaddy did and mama did and daddy did. We all have to be matured. We all have to grow up in Christ. And the first one he said that he gave was the apostle. Now, the apostle is the person that goes in and and breaks up hindrances to receive in the body of Christ. He goes into areas where the, the gospel probably has never been proclaimed, and he goes in and he breaks down, you know, with the word, and that's what, that's what, uh, that's what uh, Paul did. He went into these areas. But Christ had not been preached, and he went and he preached Christ. He broke down those hindrances to the propagation of the gospel. That's what. That's one of the main responsibilities. Uh, then the prophet. The next one is who? The prophet. Okay. And of course, we know what prophets are. That's the, that's the office that I walk in. A prophet is someone who is a thought. Teller, not just a foreteller. Most people think he just talks about the future. <laughs> but he's a fourth, F O R T H, teller. He speaks forth what God gives him to speak. No different from, from an Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament prophets that went way, way back to the major and the minor prophets, Isaiah and Ezekiel and Habakkuk and, and Micah and, and all those other uh, books that are back there. 
those were prophets. And if you go in there and read those, they basically went in and told people what thus saith the Lord. That's what a prophet basically does. And the, and the true test of a prophet is what he says comes to pass. Because we know that God is not a man that he shall lie. Neither the son of man that he that he should repent or to change his mind. So if he says that God says this and it's gonna happen at this time and it doesn't happen, guess what? <laughs> two things. He 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 first of all he just lied, might have just might just you no know, face up to it. And secondly, he misrepresented God. Ooh. Because he spoke he became speaking on God's behalf. So so a prophet the prophets give direction and that direction talks about what? What we should do. And then the next one is the evangelist. Now the evangelist goes in and they they stir up the area. The word that word evangelist literally means a bearer of good news, a bringer of glad tidings is what so they so so they're coming in and they're stirring it up with with signs and wonders and normally God operates in the evangelist evangelist ministry especially if they're going into areas where the gospel has never been preached. He comes behind the apostle and he stirs that up with those miracles and those signs and those wonders, and that's what's going to drive the people to really believe because signs and wonders are for what the the unbelievers. <laughs> unbelievers. <laughs> the unbelievers. So, 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 if you've been in the body of Christ for twenty years and you still need a miracle or a sign from God, then you—that means that you have not matured yourself to the point where you 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 can trust His word and not always looking for a sign. Then, of course, the next one is—it says pastor. The word pastor literally means a shepherd. And a pastor's job is to feed, as the Bible says, people with knowledge and understanding. So once the evangelists, and so once they go in and done their job, you go in there and you set up churches, and this pastor is there, and he begins to now shepherd those people, those new converts. And and they put governments in place. They put structure and order into place. But one of their primary functions is to feed them. The word pastor in the Hebrew literally means one who leads to pasture, and we know what a pasture is. Pasture is where you lead cattle to graze. So the job of it. Mm -hmm. So so a pastor's job is to lead his people to the place where they can be fed, and he's the one that's doing the feeding. He's also responsible for keeping them what they call folded, keeping them in the sheepfold. That means that he keeps them together. That's why Jesus gives the parable that that if one goes astray, then that shepherd goes off and he finds that one sheep that has gone astray. Believe it or not, that's the job of a pastor, and he should have under shepherds under him. For he can go off and do that and still keep the church intact. So one of one of the uh, secondary duties of a pastor is to make sure that people who say that they're a part of his congregation or, or part of his sheepfold, that he sees to their well-being. And I know yeah. that's going to ruffle some feathers. 
<laughs> but that's, <laughs> that's, these are the gifts the way God put them in the church. And they're all intended to where we all work together and we all bounce off one another. And then, of course, there's the teacher. Teacher is the one that just breaks down the word for it is simple, understandable, and they and the teacher also gives direction, but they give they the teacher tells you how how to do it. Remember the prophet tells you gives you direction by telling you what to do. The teacher comes in and tells you how to do it. Mm. That's why most that's why a lot of uh, prophets, especially New Testament prophets, they 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 have the teaching motivation. Most of them can teach. That way, they're in a position where they can speak forth the word that God says, give them understanding, and also tell them how to do it. If not, then you need to make sure that someone is there that can tell them how to do it. So God never intended for for none of these gifts to be lone rangers, to go out and you do your own thing, mm-hmm. and you have no regard for the other four gifts. We, we are, we're all part of a body. God is the one that placed us in the body. The fivefold ministry gifts. And remember, a gift is always for the benefit of the receiver. Mm. Okay, say that again, Michael. A gift is always for the benefit of the receiver. Ooh. And as Oprah mm. say, tweet, tweet, y'all, you, you, that, that, that's tweet that. Yeah, I know that was good. I'm like, what you say? <laughs> the gift is for the benefit of the receiver. Ooh, that's good. The receiver is not for the benefit of the gift. So, so now you can see. Now you can see the order that 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 we are out of in the body of Christ. Ministry gifts basically go into areas, and they want people to serve them, to extol them, to worship them, to reverence them. And, of course, and, and there is honor or reverence due unto them because of the nature of the work that they do. But we only have one Lord, as we just read. And we only have one supreme ruler. That's what the word Lord means. Mm, that was good. So as I said, you know, it's, I, I, I was going to try to come out, but I was going to try to not come out swinging and hitting today. But if it, if, if if they say in the old church, if you can't say amen, let's say out. Now let's go over to First Corinthians twelve, where it talks about these gifts again. Where are we going, Michael? Uh, 1 Corinthians 12. Okay. 1 Corinthians 12. That's what we were last week. Now, I'm going I'm, I'm to show you what I was talking about earlier. That way I, I want so people can know that uh, I wasn't meddling on. Now, this is Paul talking, and he's still concerning. He's talking about concerning unity in the body of Christ. First Corinthians, uh-oh, where am I? I need to go to 12. Mm-hmm. I'm in one. <laughs> I'm in one. <laughs> wow, that's, that's certainly looks strange. Huh? No, I, I was looking at uh, my scripture. Now, that looks strange. That's not where I should be. 
First Corinthians 12. I'll go in First Corinthians 1. But actually, I'm not going to go over uh, to uh, back to 1 because there was some good stuff I was just looking at. Now, verse 18, this is Paul talking to the Corinthians church again, his letter to the Corinthians church after he had visited them. And it says, but now, but now God has set, and remember, I'm sorry, God has, now God has set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him. As it has pleased who? Him, God. Him. So we mm-hmm. are placed in the body of Christ as it pleased him. And also, he's talking naturally as well. God has placed Every, every every part of your body, God has placed it there as it pleases him. But he's talking spiritually. That's why he's he's doing a parallel between the physical body and the spiritual the body spiritual. with mm-hmm. the, the church. And he says, and if they were all one member, where were the body? So if you think you're the greatest thing since microwave popcorn, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 all the focus in the body of Christ should be on you. Then he said, "That's only one member." And if you only got one member, it's not a body; it's a part. Ooh. So a body is made up of parts or members. Another, like that, a, a more operative word for a member is part. And I think if we can keep that in mind, that I'm a part of the body of Christ, it, it would it would help us to really. I think it has more impact to saying member. So you are a part of the body of Christ if you have received Jesus, your personal Lord and Savior. Verse 20 says, but now there are many members, yet one body. One body. And I cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again to the head, to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more these members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. So our comely parts have no need. So think about that. So our so the parts that, that we seem to be somebody have that are visible things that you can see on the outside of this natural body. He said they they have no need. Matter of fact, God even told me that you can actually live with it. Everything that you can see on the outside of your body, you can live without. Mm. And of course, and now remember, we're talking about the body. Because, you know, Jesus is the head, so I'm not talking about the head. But but the eyes are, you got your eyes, you got your nose, you got your lips, you can live without all of that. And we talked about that once before. Yeah, we have. We have. For our comely parts have no need, but God had tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to the part which lacked. So the parts which don't, don't have that, what we call comeliness or that visibility, God says he gives more abundant honor to that part. And why does he do that? that there should be no schism or division in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. Mm. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now, you are the body of Christ and members in particular, or members individually. 
and God had sent some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. After that, miracles, and that's dealing with the evangelistic gifts, then gifts of healing, that's also dealing with the evangelistic gifts, helps government, that's, that's dealing with the pastoral gift. Diversities of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Have all the gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Then it goes over to chapter 13 and starts talking about love. So every time he talks about these gifts, he's showing us a more excellent way, which is always love. So love trumps all of these gifts. I don't care how you fix it. Love trumps all of that. Okay, let me ask you this, Michael. And this is my personal experiences or my personal um, what I've heard and what I've seen. And you can help clear up a lot. So all you've read, I have not heard that there are different levels of those gifts. Like one is to be extinct, like apostle is the top, the best uh, ministry gift. No, there there is no hierarchy in these gifts. That's something that man does. I love that. I love that. That's what I was getting at because that's what I hear and that's what I see. Uh, you always like need it. People have assigned um, ratings to the gifts. No, there's not. He said God placed them in the church first. I mean, that's, that's just the order that he set. He said God set them where? In the church. So when God wants his church, when the church established, he wanted his apostles to go out first and break down those hindrances to the propagation of the gospel. And then you have, then like that, then you secondarily, they're prophets. Now your prophets are coming by behind and they're giving you direction. They're giving the church direction on what to do. Because they, they're speaking, they're, remember, they're mouthpieces for God. They're God's direct mouthpiece. They, they hear from him, they speak it forth unto the people. And third, are we teachers. So teachers come behind that and they explain, they tell you how to do what you just heard, what to do. And then after that, the evangelist comes in and he stirs them up with those miracles and those healings and get them all stirred up. And then here comes the pastor with the helps, which means that they assist and they aid. That's what the word helps mean. Then you have your governments and your diversities of tongues or languages. All of this deals with the pastoral gift. And then he goes down and, and, and lets them know are all apostles, all prophets, all teachers, all workers of miracles. In other words, everybody's not going to be that. He said, but if you want to covet a gift, I'm going to show you a more excellent way. And that's love. So if so if, if you say, Wow, well, why didn't he call me to be a pastor? Well, he gave you his love, which is just as powerful as being called to be 
because love is the thing that's going to edify the body of Christ eventually. As we read over in Ephesians 4. Our, our gifts, believe it or not, and most people don't talk about this, our gifts are itinerant. They're pretty much itinerant gifts. Just like, just like you, you have a child born into your home. That child is there. Your goal as the, as the parent or the guardian is to mature that child to the point where that child is able to live or sustain his own, then he go out and he replicates or duplicates himself based on what you taught him. Those same uh, customs and the same morals and the same values, those things that you impart into that child, you want him to grow up into those things and become that man and that woman that, that you that desire them to see. That's what the body, that's what the fivefold ministry gift should. Our desire should be to see members in the body of Christ grow up and be mature in him. Where you where you no longer have a need of me, you're now able to fix your own spiritual meals. You're now able to understand the word, and now you can go out and and duplicate yourself. That's 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 the way. That's what discipleship is all about. That's what Jesus did with his twelve apostles. They was with him three straight solid years, three hundred sixty-five days a year. So you got to think that's 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 what you call concentrated. Training. <laughs> that's that's concentrated apostolic training. <laughs> and 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 the word apostle literally means one who has been dispatched. Look it up in the Greek. It means and, dispatched. Um, it means disciple sent. means one who is, what is at your feet. He's like no, always uh, in the, uh, is no, that Hebrew uh, no. Greek. Uh no, a, a disciple is actually a student, yeah. A a, okay. a disciple comes is based on the word pupil, and that pupil is in your in your eye, and that word pupil comes from a the word pupa p u p a, which is a small which is a small doll that is pretty much a representative sample of who you are. Mm, see, that's good. That's good stuff. So, 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 so there. So, 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 friends, when, when we're there to disciple someone. Our goal is to make sure that they become mature. When Jesus left the earth, he knew that he knew those apostles were mature enough to go into all the world and make more disciples. He said, "Now go duplicate yourself and teach them what I've taught you, and don't be afraid because I'm I've given you the Holy Spirit that's going to be with you forever." Mm. But but nobody is teaching this, and it, it it was never intended for us to for the same. People be to be in the exact same church, and you still a babe after twenty years. Oh. And and if they are, it is our fault. It's the fivefold ministry. I was gonna say, who's got, a, who's got a reflection on if you have if you are oh, a pastor, oh, it's leadership, and not necessarily the person um, that's in your flock. Well, well, and, and the reason I say that. Hello. I'm here. Okay, something I was, was you kind of had a hollow sound there. I, I'm I'm getting some feedback. Mm, okay. No, I don't hear. Let okay. Me okay. I, I do. It, it's going now. But I remember one day I was complaining about 
state of the body of Christ and how ooh, these people are so immature and just out there just doing what they want to do and in sin and and God said it's it's, it's your fault. Mm. And I got it and, and that's why I'm so passionate about what I do. Because I can't I can no longer complain about the immaturity of the body of Christ. So my my job description said that I should be maturing them. Mm-hmm. There there is no need for a parent com, com, to complain about the immaturity or the irresponsibility of their child if they hadn't put it in them. And 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 I see that naturally from from a natural standpoint. They talk about how lazy and irresponsible and how trifling the child is, and they are the ones that train them. So it's a reflection on you. Yeah. Okay. So you so 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 there's a lot you. of work to be done. There there is a lot of work to be done. Uh, it is. And sometimes the and I was laying in bed this morning. I was just thinking about just how the task ahead of us seems so insurmountable. But God said, no, nothing, nothing too difficult for me because long you do your part, I'm going to do my part. Jesus has done his part. The Holy Spirit is going to do his part. You just do what you've been called to do. You let the impossibility, let me worry about the impossibility. <laughs> and, man, it, I said, it, it, it's just like God to always have a comeback for things that seem so, I mean, just like him. I mean, it was it was just that instant. So I was I was watching uh, Oprah the other night, and it just how it just blew me away. You know, when she gave those census bureau statistics of the number of single households, and then the number of single children in those households, and and you know, I'm saying, so America, and it just blew me away. And, and I've been thinking about that ever since I heard it. Ten million single mothers. She didn't mention single fathers. Ten million single mothers and 24 million children of those single mothers. And somewhere oh. there's and somewhere there's a father. So you have ten million mothers, supposedly probably ten million fathers who fathered those children. 24 million children, so that is 44 million souls that have to be united. And we're not even talking about the church. <laughs> so so that, was, that, that, that was my meditation. I said, wow, how do we, how do, we do this? And God said, no, let, let me worry about the impossibility. You just do what? I've asked you to do, and that's to speak forth his word. And in my life, personally, God has been, God bats 100 with me. Uh, There's nothing that he's ever told me that I have spoken publicly and it has not come to pass. That's not a reflection on me. That's a reflection on, on, that's a reflection on his integrity. I'm, I'm just a vessel that's been used by him, that has set myself apart to be used by him. And I'm very careful to be sure that I really hear God. I know this is my father speaking before I speak it out publicly. So I, I, I don't allow myself to get in, 
you know, to see things and get emotional about it and start spewing out stuff. And sometimes I think that's what, what happens, and that's why you don't see those things come to pass, because we were speaking out of emotion. Yeah. Instead of speaking what God says, I need you to speak. So so those are the gifts. It's, I mean, this and like I said, the information I'm giving you all, I mean, you you talking about if you if this was a classroom setting, you're talking about a year's worth of teaching. So we just did a year's worth of teaching, so concise that we did it in three with, with three in three hours, virtually three hours. <laughs> so there there's no way you're going to get it all. There's no way it it, it just can't be done. Right, that's, that's why, why we have Discipleship International, though, exactly. Michael. That's why that's you what, have made yourself available to yes. uh, work one-on-one or one-on-two with people so that they can get this. Because once we get this piece right here, if you just, you know, we always, if you only knew who you are, if you only knew what your gifts are and how it can it does work together with other gifts to help make this world better yes. and ultimately edify the kingdom, if you only would get that part, it is life-changing. That is life-changing. So, um, which brings us to the part, Michael, I want to ask you this. How do you know? You know, how do you know if you're an apostle or a prophet? If you don't, if you haven't figured it out by now or you're not sure or because you just can't accept your calling because you just feel like I'm the worst of the worst and God can't use me or whatever, I don't see it, I just don't see it, I don't have that gift. So how do you, how do we bring this home personally for someone who's listening or um, even for me, how do I know which one of those gifts is my primary gift? Very I'm not a- good. Very good question. Now, now, first of all, I'm, a, I'm, I'm going to speak out of experience, and then I'm going to speak just from from an educational point of view. Um, I knew that I was called into ministry. And that was back in 1995 because God directly spoke it to me. Mm-hmm. And I was, wow, I was, what, 20, what, 26, 27 at the time? No, I was older than that. Like, no, I was about 31 at the time when, uh, when it just to go to 95, and this is, what, 13, so that was 18, that was 18 years ago, May 8th. Matter of fact, I almost just passed my anniversary. It was 18 years ago. I was 31 years old when God spoke unto me directly, and I heard him speak, that I've ordained you a prophet unto the nations. It was it was that simple. At the time, I didn't know what it meant, but as I began to avail myself to uh, prepare myself, you know, for, for the calling, because I knew the calling was there, and, and I was already living a holy life before I was called into I was called into ministry. Now now and now some people sometimes get the call into ministry as a call to live holy. They they, they get those two confused. Uh-huh. They just feel this need that I need to really just separate myself and consecrate myself. And if you have if you're not doing that now, then that's more than likely. I it's up to God to pretty much, you know, give you conviction about it. That's more than likely he's he's calling you to a life of holiness, to set yourself apart for a particular use. Not necessarily a call into five what we call fivefold ministry. Uh-huh. So sometimes people get that confused. They they've been out there, they just they rip and run the streets and say they 
you know, they've been, you know, within a bad car accident, and all of a sudden they they have this out-of-body experience, and God gives them a visitation and say, I, I, I want you to live right. I've heard stories like these. And they come to, and they say, wow, God has called me to preach. No, he probably is giving you a, he's giving you a, a second chance at life and to get your act together. And then also get yourself under someone who, if you say you were called the pastor, then get get uh, get around, get under the mentorship of another pastor, or get under the mentorship of another evangelist and who's who's mature, who's walking in the gift, and you see the fruit of their ministry, and they can tell you whether you called it that off or not. So I, I, that's a great point that you made because we do feel like if we have this um, brush, as they say, with death or yeah. um, some, even if it could be a, a, a physical trial of some type and God brings us through with no penalty, you know, worse than what we thought, then we are so grateful, I think, sometimes, Michael, that we just want to live at the ultimate level what is for us based on our own experiences. And so we go and start a church or we go and start a ministry yeah. or – because we're just so grateful, but I, I like what you said. We need to listen, though. You know, God is speaking through the, even through that experience. And sometimes, I'm not saying there's never, he's never calling you to, after one of those episodes, to go into, you know, pastoring or ministry. But you need yeah. to really listen. And he understands yeah. your gratefulness and your gratitude and that you want to give him all the glory and share your story. But that may not always be the case. Sometimes, you know, a, just a testimony from a lay person carries more weight than, you know, the sermon of a ordained minister to me. So you have to be very, very careful when of you, course. you know, how you want to repay to God, quote, unquote, yeah. repay God for what he has done in your life. Um, but at the very least, you should offer your experience as a testimony to somebody within, you know, laterally. It doesn't have to be so... Um, universal. Yes. So, and like yeah. you already and, said, and, the gift is for the And that is so true. And that is so true. As I said before, and this was my own personal testimony, you know, I had been living a life, what I thought, you know, to the best of my ability, you know, I was living a consecrated life already because of that thankfulness that God, you know, delivered me and gave me this, this joy unspeakable and full of glory and this peace that surpassed our understanding. I, I understand what all those scriptures meant because that's what I experienced. I didn't. I didn't receive it as a call into ministry. I just. It was just. I was so thankful that I said, "Lord, you know, whatever you want me to do, I do." And but I, I was actually received His invitation. They were doing the word "call" to me. It means a summons or an invitation. I received this. I accepted His invitation into ministry in 1995 in in the middle of the night. And I and and I, and I can tell people this because maybe they can relate to it. And I just it was something that I did not want because I, I understood the magnitude of being an officer in the body of Christ. And 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 one thing I'm noticing more and more uh, in the five fivefold ministry gifts is that a lot of them are falling, and in their fall they make the declaration that you know. I'm just a man. That declaration needs to be made before you fall. Mm. All, all the praise and all the adoration, you need to deflect all that stuff to God. You give him the glory for, for, for how he exalts you, you know, in your ministerial office. 
you you deflect all of that because the human psyche cannot absorb all of that praise. God never designed the human psyche to absorb that amount of praise. Ooh. He's the, he's the, he's the only a only a spiritual because you have to be praised is spiritual. Praise is something that's spiritual in nature. Your your spirit, your human spirit is not large enough to absorb. You don't have the capacity to absorb all of that praise and adoration. God reserved that for himself. And mm-hmm. that's why Paul can, can give the admonishment, you know, take heed lest you fall. You have to take heed lest you fall. That's why he gave it. That's why Paul never took his guards down. That's why I never take my guards down. That's why when people come and say, you know, man, you really did good, I said, well, Lord, teach me how to how to respond. And my response is, it's good to be a blessing. And not yeah. deflect all the praise and adoration to him because I, I can't absorb it. If not, it's going to puff me up and give me a pride. And pride is the prelude to a fall or destruction. So is there very any ministers out there? I didn't, I, I didn't plan to say this. This wasn't even on my notes. But he just really impressed upon my heart to say this. And wow. more are going to fall unless unless they learn how to, because it's a it's a it's a, it's you know being a fivefold ministry people people want to give you that people want to exalt you higher than you should be, but mm. there is one Lord, <laughs> as we just <laughs> read you see, there's only one Lord, there's only one supreme ruler. I always, I always say, God, these are your people. These are not my people. I cringe when I hear, I hear pastors say, my people. But no, they are not your people. They are God's people. You're just an under-shepherd under the chief shepherd who is Jesus Christ to lead and guide and direct and to feed and to fold those people under your stewardship. And the apostle is someone who's Sent. He's sent. He's a delegate. He's an ambassador of God. That's what the word literally means in the Greek. Yeah. From the Greek, from the Greek word apostolos, means one that has been dispatched to do a particular work. That's what the word apostle means. The word prophet. I'm just going to give you these the actual meaning because you know when when God gives something, the definition of something defines how that job is to be carried out. Mm-hmm. So a prophet comes from the Greek word prophetes, which means an inspired speaker or a poet or or simply a, a work of a definition is a fourth teller. Mm. The, the four commands of my call in ministry that he gave me was do what I do, say what I say, bless whom I bless, and curse whom I curse. Those are the four commands of my call. Mm. So, so that's what I do. I don't. If, if God don't give me anything to say, guess what? I don't say anything. I don't have to come up with it. I'm, I'm not going to stand before people and make up something. When people invite me out to speak, I say, Okay, Lord, what do you want me to? What do you want me to tell your people? 
if he doesn't give me anything, guess what? I probably I'm just I'm just gonna probably go in and just operate in the motivation to gift of teaching. And just teach on a particular subject. So it's so it's these are the things that you have to keep in mind if you have been called in to ministry. The word evangelist means a preacher of the gospel. It literally means the word literally in Greek means a bearer of glad tidings. Okay. It means to announce good news, especially the gospel. It means to declare, bring glad or good tidings. It also means to preach the gospel. So if if someone's out there saying evangelist, they're not preaching the gospel, then they're probably not called to preach the gospel. Well, you know what I'm seeing, Michael, when it comes to um, the title evangelist, people use that as a, a step down to pastor or minister, and I think in some areas people only call women evangelists. They can't because yes. they feel like they can't yes, they be do. pastors yes, and preachers. So I like that you said that evangelist, you know, what it simply means, you, you are not making it up. You're not using it based on your own experiences and what you've seen. You are telling us what, you know, these words mean in the Hebrew and the Greek, and I love how you teach us that on the side of what we're talking about. But I love that you finally clarified for me that evangelist is no more no less a bearer of good tidings. They announce the good news, especially the yes. gospel. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Good. And then a pastor Literally means shepherd. A shepherd, it, that, that could be in a literal sense or a figurative sense. That's what a pastor does. Uh-huh, so if a pastor right. wants to know how a pastor operates, he should be studying what shepherds used to do. Ooh. So like as a prophet, I, I, I studied what prophets of old did. I studied how they submitted themselves to God and, and some of the things that God had them to do as a sign to the people and and they just blew me away. I said, man, those guys didn't have the Holy Spirit resident on the inside of them, and they sold themselves out. Yeah. <laughs> <With> God. <laughs> sold them to the I mean, to the fact that they didn't even have to announce that they were prophets. You know, people just no. knew, and they was like, well, send for the prophet. Send for the prophet Isaiah. Oh, yeah. Send for the prophet Elijah. Send for yeah. Elisha. You know, yeah. I just love when I when I see that, and I said, "This is what the Lord said." And then they they know sometimes it could you know result in their being uh, becoming a prisoner, or it could result in their death. But they still say, "Thus says the Lord." You know, <laughs> I love and it. And then lastly, Loretta, you got the teacher, and it comes from the Greek word didaskalos, which means an instructor. That means that you know how to instruct. So if God has called you to the office of teacher, then you, you you should be honing and perfecting your ability to teach. It means, you know, you know, you know they, they were called Jesus, you know, rabbi or master. That, that's what that mm-hmm. meant, teacher. Yep, teacher. That, that's, in Hebrew, that, that's what it means. It means teacher. So, so I believe so just, Jesus is the only one who fit all these primary, who had all these gifts. Oh, yes. Yeah, he is yes, the only he, person. He had, all the, yes. <laughs> he had and because he and, and remember you can't give what you do not have, so he was able to give us these gifts. Oh, I love it. So, you know, you know, you know, even though I'm called to this office, I I I no, I still endeavor to listen to evangelists and pastors. I I have a pastor, someone I claimed him my pastor, you know, Doctor Sandra Holloway, been under his ministry for twenty years. 
and and he's done a good job of shepherding and feeding me over these years. And so I, you know, I, I give him his props. You know, he he, he walks in and also as a pastor and teacher, and he does a very good job of it. Even, wow, and that goes back to, the to say that, the flip side of what we were saying earlier that if a minister, if a member is not being discipled or is not is not better spiritually for having sat under some pastor for twenty years, that was a negative reflection. So you just gave an example of what a, a real great ex- reflection of, and that's you being who you are and oh, doing yeah. walking in your your gift and then giving um, reflection and credence and credit. You know, to your past for twenty years, Reverend um, exactly. Sammy Holloway. I love that. Yeah. So, so and I know he's proud said, of that. Now, 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 one thing that you mentioned earlier is, you know, is there any? Is there like a a pecking level, so to speak? No, is you know, we we all get our marching orders from God. We all get our marching orders from God. God is the one that tells us, you know, what what we should be doing and how we should be doing it and how we should be executing that office. With, with whom he's given us based on the region that we're in, based on the culture that we're dealing with, based on the demographic. You know, you, every, everything can't be done the same way. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. That's why we have to take his word, and the Holy Spirit shows you how to apply that gift to this particular demographic or to this particular culture. Because the way I would minister in the United States, I can't go into another country and minister the same way. I may do something to offend them. I may do something that, you know, if I don't know the cultures, they have me in jail. They post something that I say. So so you have to be open. You know, the Holy Spirit is still God in the earth, and that's one thing I want, you know, the listeners to really, really let soak in, and you never forget that the Holy Spirit is the God in the earth today. Right. And he's going not just today, but he's going to be, he's assigned to you to guide you into all truth in every area forever. That's his job. He's not going anywhere. And and he can take what I've given you today and in, in all in all the past months and also and in the months to come. He can take one one sentence that I give you and you can take that and 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 do miraculous things. Because he because he, he knows you. He knows he knows to every in and out, he knows every fiber of your being. Why? Because he's the one that made you. So, but no, there, there, there's no hierarchy in the gifts. If you leave up to man, man will always find some kind of way to subjugate somebody else. That, that's just natural in man because man was made to, because, because man was made to have dominion. But no, we're, we're body. There, there's not one part of our body that dominates another. I'm, I'm a member of the body of. Christ, with Christ being the head, and the brain is what gives signals for what every member of that body to do. And then you have all these systems that are working and firing, you know, as we speak, you know, that are, you're so fearfully and wonderfully made that we're still figuring out this body thousands of years, <laughs> well, thousands of years mm-hmm. Since it was created, we still come up with new things how this body operates. That just shows yeah. you the inexhaustibility of the knowledge of God. Absolutely, He's our wisdom. So always remember that, man. I have thought and enjoyed this. I didn't, I, I didn't flip up on nobody too bad today. I, 
I just wanted to get some things out that they concerning the five-fold ministry gifts. Because so there's so many different oh, you, you are awesome. There, yeah. Let me ask you questions because I've heard so many things, and I'm like, that's so contrary to what we're saying today and what's in the Bible for myself. But I hadn't yet known enough to really ask, to be bold enough to ask that question and then accept the answer. And because I've been doing some studying too, and you know, it's right there in the scripture. Those it just made it plain for me, and I I pray that a lot of more people who who are listening to this or who will be told about this show, that it will be made clearer to you too, and that your eyes will be open to um, to receive this revelation, and it just will make you such a much better person in every yes, every area yes, of your life, not just spiritually, but in every area, because God Everywhere. works in the totality of your life. He wants every area. He's concerned about everything <laughs> that concerns us. So. Uh, I'm so I'm thankful for this conversation because I'm sitting on the edge of my seat. I was like going to be so relaxed, you know. I've heard all this, been there, done this. I've read that so many times. I have books on it, but today so much was revealed. So, Michael, thank you so much for you know being uniquely and transparently Michael Farmer. I love it, and it is and it is good to be a blessing. <laughs> and I just pray that, and I just and I just pray that everyone um, just give heed to the information. Because believe, I'm going to say this before we close. If you say it's in Second Chronicles 20, 20, say, believe in the Lord your God and you will be established or confirmed. Hear ye his prophets and so shall you prosper. That means to grow and mature in every area of your life. With that said, be blessed and have a prosperous week. All right, he said it does, everybody. <laughs> Always remember to stay positive, dream big dreams, and remember to help someone along the way. And we'll see you next Tuesday. Bye-bye, everybody. Be blessed. Bye.